This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. One day, with wild eyes and perhaps a wild hair, three friends banded together to create a different type of sports media company, hoping to change the everyday sports norm. When they first started, many told them that they'd go belly up. So, they responded by saying, bring it on, and embraced the name by calling themselves Belly Up Sports. Then, this week's guest came along and started a fantasy football show on the network called MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome to Fantasy Football Origin Stories, where each episode is a journey back in time to explore the unique experiences of some of the coolest and most influential people in the fantasy football industry. I'm your host, Arnie Chapman, also known as the Football History Dude. Now, I love fantasy football, and I want you to come along with me to explore the yesteryear of the armchair gridiron. So hop on board my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time's of the DeLorean, the date is August 26, 2023. We're in Anywhere America, maybe even beyond, because this is an international sport that we have now. But why this day? Why only jump forward when the time this episode releases less than a month? Well, that's because it's the Saturday before Labor Day. Possibly the biggest or most quantifiable draft fantasy football day of all time. Well, up until now. It's the biggest draft day of the year, that is. And why not? I mean, fantasy draft season is one of the best times of the year. So we just wanted to kind of jump ahead a little bit of it. We didn't want to wait, just like Christmas morning, but then you open up the presents and it's all over in a flash. In fact, we're going to do that right now. I'm not going to make you wait any longer. We're going to jump right into this episode with this week's guest, Dan Mader of MD's Fantasy Football Show and Belly Up Sports. To learn more about him, you can check out over at bellyupsports.com. Now strap on that seatbelt, tap on the flex capacitor, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour and go back in time to learn about the fantasy football origin story of Dan Mader. We'll see how long. Depends on what. Well, it depends on how we start this first question off. So I get. I always ask the guest what either not part of the country. What kind of what fan are you loyal to? What what team? Forty uh, ers Okay. Uh, um. Okay. We can. We'll be fine. I suppose we'll be fine. I'm a. <laughs> I'm a Lions fan. It'd been different if you said okay. maybe Packers. I get too many dang Packers and Bears fans on these shows. Okay. Forty ers <laughs> fan. We can. We'll be legit. Maybe we'll be uh, enemies this year, though. When it comes to NFC Championship, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe playoffs time is possible. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we play each other in the regular season. So. I will no. have a conversation with you. We'll call it uh, early January, maybe late January, depending on how the cookies crumble. But uh, we'll, we'll get into the NFL stuff later. How about fantasy football? What's your first memory of you know, f- either the sport or even playing? Oh, uh, geez. I think it was 2005 when I first played, if I remember correctly. I, had, I have a much older brother who's, who's 13 years older than me. Um, who's in the football and he got me playing at a very early age because 2005 I think it was what was I 15 yeah something like that so freshman in high school I think was the first time I started playing um, yeah and I remember what do I remember from 2005 I remember doing really well because I had a bunch of running backs I don't remember that season very well what I do remember vividly was when a couple years later 
um, taking Randy Moss and Tom Brady extra early when they went off for their record breaking. I remember that very vividly drafting that because I remember how much flack I took for how early I took them because I was so high on their connection. And I was like, ah, I rubbed it in everybody's face when I was right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was one of those seasons where, you know, people were really transitioning less into taking the quarterbacks earlier too. And, uh, 2005 that would have been Sean Alexander's year I think it was yeah I did I didn't have Sean Alexander I do remember I didn't have him I think oh yeah um, my memory's killing me now <laughs> I think I had Larry I want to say like Larry Johnson that year well or yeah he was it was him Alexander and then um it might have been even fast Willie from the Steelers I it was it that? I had Willie Parker too I think I had Larry Johnson and Willie Parker or something like that or I traded I traded for Willie Parker that's what it was during the season um, yeah, so that was, that was a lot of fun. I think my brother was the one who actually, now you say that it was bringing back, my brother was the one who had Sean Alexander. I think he wound up beating me in the championship game as a result. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he had just that dominant year. And then I think he was on the Madden cover. The Well, if I'm, if I have my memories correct, I could be wrong. That might not have been the year that the Steelers beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. I'd, I could be off by a year. I'm not sure on that one. Uh, yeah, it's right around that time. Definitely right around that time, 2005 area. I remember the Madden cover the year before, 2004, Ray Lewis. Hey, now you're talking my language, so we, we can be buds again, even yeah. though Ray Lewis did take out the 49ers there in that one Super Bowl. <laughs> but hey, regardless, uh, so how did was it like a, uh, because you, you had an older brother, did you get into his league, it, it was, you said, or you just had uh, with friends or something from school? So not if not at first uh, he just got me playing because I played so much Madden I, I I watched football religiously uh, even before I started getting into the fantasy football so he was like he was like check this out we're playing fantasy football I think you'd love it and then yeah I instantly got addicted eventually uh, I think a couple of years later I did wind up getting into uh, one of the leagues he was in with some of his college buddies and stuff like that so I was that's that's why I was brought into it in such an early age pretty much because of him. Yeah, that, that's kind of how it went for my brother as well. He's f not the same age gap as what you have, but we're five years. He was born at the same time you were. And I want to say it was right around that time frame when he started playing with us because we brought him into our home league, we'll call it. But we actually did like the live draft. We did all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty cool to be in person. Was that how yours was at the time or was it an online still? No, it was very much in person. In fact, it was if you didn't show up for the draft, uh, I think it was your third and your seventh round pick. Ooh. Somebody else got to pick whatever they wanted if you didn't show up in person for the draft. It was, it was a punishment not if you couldn't make it. So for, for sure, you wanted, you wanted to be there. <laughs> yeah, especially that third round pick. I mean, that's, that's pretty high. Yeah, pick. that was brutal. They give you a kicker. Uh, yeah, we, <laughs> We gave not just a kicker. It would be like the kicker, the worst kicker on the worst team for that third round pick all the time. It was brutal. <laughs> yeah, I remember one of my first uh, live drafts. I think I talked about it on this show before. Uh, it actually might have been that one, the first one my brother was in there. And the guy, we're Lions fans, I told you from the jump. And the one guy picked Jason Hansen as his first round draft pick because he's like, hey, the kicker score the most points. <laughs> we just all started laughing. I mean, you know how it went the, the whole <laughs> round. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, that sounds like uh, the excuse the 49ers made up this year when they tried to draft Drake Moody in the third round of the NFL drafts. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, that. hey, yeah, they make the most. But, <laughs> hey, whatever. At some point, you know, I, I, we'll see what happens there. I mean, if you you got to have consistency. I really, you know, being that he's from my state and stuff, I don't follow college that well. So it's like 
how good is is he really that good? I I don't know. Uh, he had a really good year last year, um, but he's I, there. He's had misses in some key moments in the years previous. Now he had a really good year last year. Uh, that's all. That's all I could really say. But regardless, like drafting a kicker in the third round, uh, that you should be ostracized for that. <laughs> Generally speaking, but I mean, if I had if I had a chance to have Justin Tucker for like fifteen years, I don't know. That's that might be worth it at that point. It's just so hard to hit because think of the kickers that have gotten drafted, like Matt Gay and uh, it was the guy from uh, Blankenship from the Colts, like looking for that guy, and it never really seems to work out. Who was the guy the Tampa Bay Bucks had who was a complete disaster? Yeah, like, I a can't few years ago, they drafted in the second round, but like that, yeah, it it it's such a volatile position that you want to talk about running backs. You know, they can't get paid and they don't mean anything because they're so interchangeable. There's nothing more interchangeable than a kicker. So I don't, I don't understand spending the draft capital on it for sure. Yeah. I mean, unless like you said, it's a, it, it, some kind of somehow this is the hit or miss, but then we're talking about the drafting process period, like going back, how many misses were there? I mean, of course there's the prototypical Brady and the six and all that kind of thing, or, you know, some of these other guys that didn't even get drafted, but it's uh something that I don't really get too much in the weeds on. I'm talking more fantasy football because that's what I can control when I draft my players. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why I like fantasy football too. This is what I would do if I was a real GM, right? This is how it works in real life. Not really, but you know, you'd like it too. Speaking of that, you, you actually, I'm going to have to circle back to Madden. So did you ever do it where you would just simulate the season's draft trade and then simulate the season so you could go through that Absolutely. experience? <laughs> Apps, app. franchise mode was all I played. I like. I remember um, there was there was somebody I was dating before my wife, and and she would I would be playing Madden on the weekends, and she was like, "You never actually play. Like, what are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm doing contracts and trades and draft people. Like, what are you talking about? This is this is what I do. I do franchise. I want to be a GM. Like, I don't care about the gameplay. The gameplay was secondary to what I could do on franchise mode." <laughs> yeah, I'm the, I get picked on for the same thing. Or like, I'll start a draft, and I'm, I don't like that. I'm going to do it like in the seventh round. I'll start over. It's like, you ever going to finish a draft and actually get through it? <laughs> but um, I mean, I do like the gameplay, too. Don't get me wrong. It's just that is the oh, part yeah. that intrigues me more now. So once they introduced, I mean, my favorite Madden of all time probably is still Madden 98, but it has nothing to do with the game itself. It's because... That was the year where we had we, we got it. We first got our PlayStation, maybe two at the time. I don't remember. Probably PlayStation One still. It was it was it, no, yeah, it was PlayStation One. And my it was like all Christmas break. Me and my brother would stay up every night, and we would play it. We would try to get through the season championship, but we did not have a memory card, so we we would not stay up late enough to be able to win. We'd have to start the season over the next day. But in there, Madden go one of my favorite lines. It goes. That dude worked as a bulldozer in the off season, and you know that kind of like those are when Madden was awesome. We had all his one liners. Boom! You can't teach speed, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like I could. Just, I wish they could like go. Well, actually, now we could with AI. I wonder if that. Okay, they're going to do that. Point. That's ne- that's what yeah. they're going to do in the next game. There's no way they don't do that in the near future. Bring back Madden full time as like the announcer and things like that. But, yeah, um, billion idea alert right there on the show. Right there, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I would like to say I came up with that idea, but I'm pretty sure some bunch of knuckleheads have already done that. They're like smarter than me as far as AI goes. <laughs> I'll give you credit, Arnie. I'll give you credit for it. But as long if as I, I see it, I'm going to give you the credit. I'll tell you what. If I get this posted, well, it's going to be this upcoming Wednesday, so at least I'll have it in the air on live, and I can say that we talked about it beforehand. Uh, 
Let's go back to fantasy football, though, itself, before we dive into your true origin story, the reason why you're on this show. What about your... uh, Okay, you kind of mentioned the Brady and the Moss connection, but like maybe your favorite player of all time on your team or nickname or draft value, whatever it is. like Calvin Johnson. Oh, hey, okay. It it was Calvin Johnson. Um, Because he was... So this is at a time where you're still not really drafting wide receivers in the first round necessarily. You're still drafting, you know, robust RB or hero RB. And I was the person who was drafting Calvin Johnson in the first round every single year. Uh, Because Calvin Johnson then is kind of what Travis Kelsey is today. You had such an advantage at the wide receiver one position if he was on your team. So I was like, I'm taking running backs later. Give me the guy at wide receiver who can perform like a running back and I'm going to have an advantage over every I play. So I took Calvin Johnson the first round every single year, no matter where I was picking. I love how fast you came back with that. Obviously, as a Lions fan, I'm biased, but no, from in any outsider's perspective, too, the dude really, I mean, he would get hurt in the games. You could see him. He was like, uh, who's the one that they always joke about limps off the field? Um, uh, Julio Jones. It seemed like he was always limping off the field, but would come back and play and everything like that. But any rate, he was the same way a lot of times because he'd make those just acrobatic, like he'd be in my mind, it seems like he's 55 feet in the air and he falls on his back, you know, and catches the ball over six dudes. But just, it was amazing to watch him play. It was kind of like having Barry on your team. It didn't matter how bad the Lions were. Every single game, we were going to have at least one or two of those crazy outlandish catches and just jump out the seat kind of moments. Well, and it was really fantastic when Stafford joined the team. I remember one year my brother was so annoyed with me because I had Stafford and Calvin when they had a really great year too, and they had that stack. And I'm just, I'm just yelling to the TV, Stafford to Calvin, Stafford to Calvin, and that's all I was yelling the whole time. You get so annoyed because I just, it would rack up. It was working. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, again, Lions had a horrible defense, and Stafford looks down at Calvin, says YOLO, and it's just every time they just, I mean, how are you going to stop that dude in today's? Uh, defensive mindset, like the way that the pe- the penalties are, they like you can't stop them. Even in the seventies, that guy would have dominated. I think. No, he would have dominated any era. He was just—I've never seen a receiver as physically gifted as Calvin Johnson was in history. And the way that the best part about him, and okay, I'm going to get off the love fest and the whole fanboy for for the Lions here soon, but he was so modest. And it didn't matter. He was similar to Barry. Like, he catch the ball. Sure, he'd do his dunk over the goalpost, but it was not like this prima donna, you know, yelling at everybody. Uh, Terrell Owens comes to mind. You know, these kind of guys. He was just, he was a, he was just a class act. Yeah, 100%. I, I, that high character guy with that kind of ability, that's, that's the best. Got to go back in time. Got to show you this right here. You're in the era. You still know what a DeLorean is, right? Like the real reason for the oh, DeLorean. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we get to go back. Before, this is going to be like the fantasy football personal moment. Then we'll go to your origin story. First, you're taking that DeLorean, Grey's album next style, whatever you want to call it. I give you one mulligan in your fantasy football playing career, and you can you can do it over. Oh, okay. One mulligan playing fantasy football. Oof. Ah. Uh... It'd have to be it have to be very recently, actually. It'd have to be the last couple of years taking Lamar Jackson a little bit too high. Uh the one year was very was very set that he was just gonna be Michael Vick, where he just pumps out every single year, didn't care about the possible possibility of injuries. And um Lamar Jackson was somebody who's always been kind of uh 
a hot button issue to me anyway, because when he came into the NFL draft, you remember people were, you know, he was drafted the last pick of the first round and people were talking about him not being a quarterback and I was losing my mind. So as you know, just a little background. I am a Rutgers fan when it comes to college football. As a result of that, I watched a lot of Louisville games as well and watching Lamar Jackson. And all I saw was a guy who could be an everything pocket passer who actually had the rushing ability. And yet I'm listening to people not really give him a chance. So I'm just sitting there like just became a Lamar Jackson fanboy because I just watched him do what he would do to our team and everybody else. And I'm like, he's Michael Vick every single year. And I just I took him way too early I, I guess it was the year after. Yeah, it was. It had to be the year after his big uh, MVP run in 2019. I guess it, was, it would have been 20, no, it would have been 2019, 2018. Um, and yeah, that was that was that was a little rough. I took him a little bit too early, and as a result, it, it was very hard to overcome. Because and this, you're seeing this now actually this year in fantasy football, where quarterbacks are getting pumped up again into that top three rounds. I mean, Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes are all going in those top three rounds. And it, the problem is that if they don't hit when you draft them there, it's hard to overcome because you're probably not going to be taking a second quarterback later on in your drafts. So now you're subjected to the waiver wire. But in a year in which quarterbacks are getting pushed up the board, there's not as many good options on the waiver wire, typically speaking. So now you kind of get caught in this limbo position where you're scraping the bottom of the barrel in a one quarterback, 12 team league. And it can really set you back because you you missed out on that top running back or you missed out on that top wide receiver. So that would have to be my mulligan. And ever since then, I've never really drafted a quarterback uh, earlier than the sixth round as a result of that. Okay, you said you never have. Now, as you said, as things are shifting, um, okay, I'll first ask this question. Where do you have Lamar in your rankings this year, then? Lamar right now sits as my QB6. Uh, I have him one spot ahead uh, behind Justin Herbert, two spots ahead of Joe Burrow, who are at my 5-4 and four right now. Okay, yeah, so you've got your, your standard three, Burrow, Oh, sorry. Which would you? How, which way did yeah, you? Yeah, it was the standard three, and then it would be Burrow, Herbert, and then Lamar Jackson, and I have Justin Fields right behind Lamar Jackson. That's pretty consistent with I think how I. I mean, of course, scoring format format with standing and everything, but I don't know. I just this year, I. It's like I want to. Part of me wants to take that big swing on Jackson. Like it's like I'm probably just going to wait. Whichever one's there is what I'm probably going to do at that point. But yeah, I just I'm just curious what his upside is going to end up being this year. We'll see. It is interesting with Todd Mocken. I'm not a big Todd Mocken fan. and I know everyone's getting real excited about him being the offensive coordinator and everything like that, but uh, he will throw the ball more than Greg Roman. It's not saying much, but he will do that, and that should open up some opportunities. If nothing else, it might even open up more efficient running lanes for Lamar Jackson because the last year with Greg Roman, yes, he's still running the ball a ton, but his numbers are getting less and less efficient, not really getting rushing touchdowns because everyone's keying in on it. And they're more designed runs. They're, he might have more opportunity to improvise, which I think with his game is actually going to be more beneficial to a guy like that. If Lamar's there in the sixth round, I'm going to pull the trigger, but I, w- I won't do it before that. Yeah, that's not too bad. I mean, so what is your general style, we'll call it then, like throughout your course and how has it shifted of drafting? Uh, So it it was, I mean, obviously, like most people, uh, first starting out, you're drafting running backs pretty early, uh, and that has shifted. I haven't gone so far to the side of zero RB, like a lot of people are, are pushing. 
I'm more on the side now of a balanced value uh, value attack when it comes to my drafts. I'm not afraid to take a running back early, but I'm not afraid to take a wide receiver early too. I actually like trying to get a good mixture in my first four rounds. I really want to come out of there with a good RB1, good RB2, good wide receiver one, good wide receiver two, and then kind of go from there. Now, it depends on the format too. If you're playing in uh, leagues where there's double flexes and you have to start three receivers, those are the leagues where you will see me start to lean more towards wide receiver early. You have to play three. You can play up the five. And it just puts more of a value on making sure you have depth at that position, and especially high-end depth. So it depends on your lineup. But if you're in a standard uh, one quarterback, two running back, two receiver, a flex, tight end, I'm looking for balance. I'm looking for value. So that that's kind of where my head draft strategy has shifted over the past few years. Yeah, one thing I notice about myself just when I reflect is the whatever past three to five or whatever years I've I used to always so heavily focus on like the draft. Okay, yeah, like that's my favorite time of the year, and then I would be hesitant to let go of the guys that I drafted because of you know like everybody else does. You kind of like oh okay, I draft them for a reason, but then that free agent wire, and then I, I pick up maybe the guys at the end. So now it's more like home run or bust kind of things for the guys at the end. And I don't mind dropping them kind of thing. No, and that's not a bad strategy either. But what, what I do tell people this. If you're in a league, and I guess it depends on your league mates, because I have heard some people have trouble with this. But if you're in a league that people are willing to make trades, I like to do the value system because even if I load up in a particular position, I know I'm going to be more than willing to make a trade throughout the year. And a lot of times making the trade with the waiver wire pickup, that's how you win championships. You can't neglect that area of the field, but you need assets to make that trade happen. And that's why I tell people all the time, draft on value, even if it's not a need on your team right now. If you know that this guy has a good chance for outperformance ADP, let's say it's a let's say it's a wide receiver and you already have four of them. But you're like, look, this wide receiver, good chance he's going to outperform this ADP. Uh, my guy would be like Sky Moore. Sky Moore going to the 10th round right now. I don't care if I have five receivers. I'm still taking Sky Moore right there in the 10th round. Because at the very least, I think I'll be able to trade him for something I need down the road too. Also have that in your mindset when you're drafting. That That's kind of what I look at it. Yeah, mine has always been, I'm the guy who would have a stable of tons of number two, you know, backup running backs and wait till the guy goes down and then try the trade. And, you know, historically, that's what I've done. But I've neglected at the same time, like, you know, at, at a certain round, I'd be like, okay, I'm just taking everybody's backup running backs just so I can have them. And, but then I would maybe, like you just said, miss out on the Sky Moors with the other ones that could pop and potentially be their number one in the team and everything. Yeah, uh, Dan Claskins of SiriusXM, he was on my show a few months ago, and uh, he, he really said it best, which is any strategy is a winning strategy if you can execute it with the proper players. So, that is just, and yes, that's a, you want to say it's a Miss America way of saying things, but it's a, it's true. So, you know, don't get yourself wrapped up going in your drafts with having to execute one strategy or another. If you let the draft come to you and you get the right players, it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, I think that's another thing that throughout time, we'll just use myself or anybody else's had experiences being more comfortable with mind like water and going with the flow and shifting things up and that kind of thing. Because like you said, there's there's hundreds of paths to victory. It's just a matter of executing within that path and understanding where you're at with everything. Um, speaking of this, okay, so you, sp- you said, hey, I talked to this dude on SiriusXM. Well, let's get into that. Going back in time, again, on that DeLorean, let's start with your origin story from the time when you said... I really like this fantasy football thing. I might start covering it, whatever it is, up until now. I mean, you did reach the pinnacle, fantasy football origin story show. 
forget clock out and go home after this. But, Absolutely. You know, so let's go through that timeline real quick of like what it is till you got it to, on the show. So uh, when I first started out, like I said, I was I was in high school and it was about junior year of high school and I was getting pretty good with with writing. I was moving. I was in one of the honors classes for all that stuff and. Um, decided I wanted on the side, I wanted to write for fantasy football and cover it that way. And I actually wound up writing for Bleacher Report for a few years. And, uh, th- and this, and this was in Bleacher Report's infancy where a lot of people, they were trying to get, you know, tryouts and everything like that and having people write and they would pass along work that was really good. So I, I, I had some stuff published early on in my career with ESPN and Fox Sports and all of that. And that was all very exciting, especially in high school, you know, writing those articles and seeing that get published at that point. Um, so I started covering it then, and then uh, I I really I had I fell out of it for a while. I was in college. I had a radio show in college covering the, the collegiate sports and actually covering a lot of high school football. And then we I did convince them to let me have a fantasy football segment. And then out of college, I kind of you know I, I wound up having to do some other stuff on on the side. And I, I wound up actually becoming a truck driver. Just long story short, and I kind of walked away from covering fantasy football for about a few years. And uh, just got back into it. This will be the fifth season of the MD's Fantasy Football Show, which is what I'm the host of now. And uh, it's been really exciting to get back into the game. I've and and with podcasting, it's funny. uh, It's a lot more fun (laughs) than writing. So I haven't actually gotten back into writing ever since. But the show itself has been fantastic and uh you know branching out and with the podcast network and then meeting the people I have along the way it's uh it's been a lot of fun so I've been very happy to get back into it had a little bit of a gap there but uh yeah now now I couldn't be happier and radio is is my comfort zone yeah I didn't know you were on the radio before is that was that because that's what you were going to go into or was it the um you know like that was what you went to school for that that was the plan. Well, it was part of it. It was uh, it was going to be communications, or it was going to be public relations. So it was, so it was either going to be marketing, or my plan was to be on the air. It was going to be one or the other. Um, it was it was a pretty good it was a pretty good radio show for for what it was. You know, like I said, collegiate sports uh, did a lot of high school football of, as far as uh, color commentating, and then we would have a recap show on that after. So it was, it was a lot of stuff like that. But that that helped me prepare for the podcast now because now I can. I, I know what equipment I need. I know how to get things set up. I can do mobile sites and everything like that. So it was a big, big background, a big leg up to have when it comes to being a fantasy football content creator on the podcast format. Yeah, I recently listened to, um, I don't know how much you listen to podcasts, but uh, so Dave Jackson, he's uh, called from School of Podcasting. He was doing an interview with somebody and I can't remember who the guy was, but he was a, a big time in radio and he's in podcasting now. But that's what he talked about. Similarities was, yeah, people talk about podcasting and radio are different, but really they're not. And the fact of being able to tighten it up and learning how to be on the fly and live through radio really helped him in his podcasting skills. Uh, is there anything that going back that you you recall, I don't know, some moments in the radio or something like that? You're like, wow, actually, that really did help me And now that I'm getting into podcasting. A lot of it was behind the scenes, the, the production work uh, and knowing knowing the equipment, how to set it up, how it all works and how to streamline things. So a lot of things, you know, a lot of times when I talk to people who are starting out, they want to become podcasters and they ask me the questions on how to start out because they're they got a they got a microphone, they got a laptop, they're spending, you know, nine, ten hours just trying to edit it down. 
And, you know, I can go through with them. Like, if you get this little piece of equipment here, if you streamline this and record this software here, you can kind of streamline your process. So that's been the big thing. I do not have to spend the amount of time that most did when they first start out just trying to do post-production. And if you can streamline that process, then you can spend more time on content creation, which is really what you want to do in the first place. So that was the biggest thing I think that helped me out. Yeah, that's one of the things I try to do on this show, too, is because hopefully, in theory, some people listening get the spark to want to start their own whatever venture. Um, what kind of, okay, so you said, like, to streamline your process, if you could give a couple tips to the listener that might be in that, that you know, that's my pain point right now. Yeah, um, if you're if you're looking to start off and you're, you're trying to make some fantasy football content or whatever content, it doesn't really matter. Uh, finding the right software to record to, first of all, is a big one. Um, I use two different ones, actually. I use uh, Restream and I use StreamYard. Uh, both are very easy. StreamYard is a very great way to get guests on very easily with just a link. And it already has a lot of presets with, with video side of it that really help you out. And then you can also download the video or audio version of the show as soon as the show's over. And with that, the audio version of it is a very simple process if you put into a software that's free called Audacity. Uh, if you put that and you optimize it through Audacity, you can really get some great, great sound to be able to put out in the podcast format. So just off of a StreamYard software, let's say you can go live with video, make your, make a great video that sounds great. And then the audio you can pull and really amplify it to put into your podcast formats. And then from there, I would say you got to find a right podcast distribution. Um, I use Spreaker in the past, uh, Megaphone I'm using now, and Podbean's a really good one when you're first starting out because they have a free version that's pretty good. But with with if you're looking to try to make a little ad revenue, I would say starting off with Spreaker makes a lot of sense because they make it really easy. You could drop your commercials in. They don't have a limitation if you pay the pro plan, which I think is like $15 a month or something like that. Um, if you if you go that route, they don't have a, a limitation as far as your storage is concerned, and you can pop the ads in wherever you want, wherever you might have a gap in your audio. You don't feel like uh, editing out that gap. You can just put a commercial right there, and it's it's things of that nature have really helped me kind of streamline the process and also build up the audience as a result too. And the other thing I recommend to people all the time is that if you're looking for trying to get that right quality of audio. You really need a decent microphone. When it comes to microphones, it is the one thing where you actually get what you pay for. In, in other words, if you spend a little bit more money, you're going to like the way you sound a little bit better. And I also recommend getting a mixer board. A lot of people get microphones. They plug U, uh, USB straight into the laptop. The quality of your sound at that point is going to have some limitations. It gets sound fine. I'm not saying you can't get away with it, but it, there, there's an added bonus when you can put it into a mixer. Um, and you don't have to get an expensive mixer. You can get one for like 50 bucks out there. That will just, it gives the microphone a little bit ample amplification, the effects that you can do, baseline your voice, adjust as needed. And just that little bit, just that little extra bit goes a long way with listeners when the audio sounds really good. Cause then they want to listen. It sounds good to their ears. They want to come back to it. So that's a big, that's a big thing that people overlook where they just kind of put it out there and they don't think anything of it. And like, you, you need that. So equipment is important and you don't have to break the bank really to do it. And then the last thing would be if you're doing video, 
Um, we used to do at uh, Belly Up, which is where I'm at right now. Currently, we were doing a, a TV stream for a while on, on Roku and, and everything. And the big thing I'd have to tell guys is that you need to go get a camera. Uh, you can get a webcam for like 20 bucks. But the important thing is that you need a camera and you need it pointing down at you like a slightly downward angle. I feel like I was repeating myself all the time when I would say that because when you have it face to face or if you have it looking up at you, it's a very unflattering look. If you have it pointing down on angular on an angular level, you'll see it, you know, ESPN and these networks, they all do it. You'll notice it's just slightly looking down at them a little bit. And what it does, it's a more appeasing factor for the eye. And I think that's big for video too, is getting a proper angle when you're setting up whatever camera it is that you're using. So those would be my my tidbits. Well, I mean, tidbits, but that was like an in-depth thanks for uh, sharing that with the listener and then maybe <laughs> someone else down the road like yours truly. Uh, you, you kind of alluded to MD's fantasy football earlier when you said, I, I jumped back into the game. Uh, let's let's let the listener of the show know where that can be found, but then also kind of like what they can expect from the show. Sure. Uh, I mean, we're on every social media platform known to man. It's at, at Belly Up MDFF show when it comes to, uh, was it X now? I guess Elon Musk continuing to ruin our lives. But uh, <laughs> MDFF show when it comes to Instagram and Facebook and, and YouTube and all of that. And we're available. The MD's Fantasy Football Show, as it's as it sounds, it's spelled the same way, is available on every podcast platform out there. So that, that's where you can go to check out the show. Um, as far as where that came from, so when I first got back into it, the plan was I was going to start doing a show with my brother. And he is on the show now, but he, he didn't wind up coming on us at first like we thought he was going to. We actually have different um, fathers. So we have different last names or half brothers. His last name being Dowhower, my last name being Mater. So we're just going to do MD. And, and the reason we wanted to do MD is because we also knew that would be, you know, a little bit marketable. If you put, if you type in MD on Google, Maryland comes up, doctors come up. So if you put an MD's fantasy football show in there, it kind of like kind of gets in the results of some other things that maybe aren't related, but it kind of pops up a little bit. So that's kind of our overall game plan to do it. Um, when he didn't, wound up coming on at first, I still kept the name because, well, it's still ultimately my initials, you know, Daniel Mater. So I just kind of kept with it and then went from there. Well, actually, that's what I thought it was. I thought it was just your initials backwards. I didn't realize there was that other backstory. Yeah, and that was part of it. And now he's not, uh, he's on the show once a week. He's not doing it every episode, but now that he's actually on the show, it does kind of fill out more uh, original purpose for that name to begin with. So it's, it's nice now. <laughs> um, so you also alluded to Belly Up Sports. So like, let's, let's give some love to Belly Up Sports for the listener of the show. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's They have a couple sites, uh, three actually to be exact. You have the main Belly Up Sports site, which covers every sport out there. Uh, mainstream wise, and it's a lot of it's a lot of more offbeat takes, a lot of offbeat kind of content. So it's not going to be the same old, same old that you're getting. And then there's the BillyFantasySports.com site, which I'm actually in charge of as of this moment. Um, we just have a lot of content going on with baseball and with football. Uh, I have my show. We have the Billy Fantasy flagship show that you can always check out, which is available on on YouTube and social media and on the website again, BillyFantasySports.com. And I have rankings and stuff on there. Uh, it's 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 still a a work in progress, uh, but we are growing. It has I think the fantasy department alone is up to about twenty two writers uh, as of right now. So it is growing in the right direction. Our people coming together, excited about it. We'll be actually at uh, you said the show is coming out Wednesday. We'll be at the fantasy football expo the following week, and we have a booth out there and everything. So we'll be we'll be excited to meet people and uh, build from there. 
Hey, that's one of those professional transitions. That was the next question I was going to ask you about was the Fantasy Football Expo because I heard you talking to Bob Long a little bit on, uh, I think it was actually the NFC North preview because, of course, if I'm going to listen to something, that's the one I'm going to go to. But um, let's just tell the listener show you said, okay, hey, come visit us at the booth and then also maybe what they could expect from the Fantasy Football Expo. Yeah, so first of all, the expo is fantastic. If you can go the entire weekend, go the entire weekend because you have the parties on Friday. There's another party on Saturday and Saturday all day. There's crazy stuff going on. You get the flag football tournament, the draft night out, uh, the DraftKings Classic. Where if just if you're a fantasy football fan, like everyone who's a big name in the business is is gonna be there uh, essentially. And then uh, on Sunday itself is the actual. Expo. Uh, I believe it's going to be on the Hall of Fame field this year. If I remember what Bob was telling me about it, Bob Lung, that is who actually he's the one who kind of puts it together and organizes it and, and runs it and everything. Uh, I think I believe it's going to be on the field. I think there's like 50 booths, and it's all different. You know, people like me. It's all different fantasy football networks, websites, content creators, all kind of trying to push what we have, the offer, and uh, ways to contact us that will help you guys out throughout the season and. It's just a great time to go and have fun with your fellow fantasy football fans and get to meet some people that you might have listened to or seen creating content to help kind of, you know, for the leagues and everything like that. And uh, for us in particular, I know we are going to be live streaming. I don't know for how long, but I think it start, it, the expo starts at 10 a.m. We're going to start live streaming at 11. It's going to go at least a couple hours, but we're going to try to you know bring in some people, do some mock drafts, uh, have some fun with the fans. I know we're going to have some giveaways uh, from Manscaped and Canadips, and uh, we'll have you know I'll have my contact information. I have little goodie bags for people to take away. So plenty of free stuff. So make sure if you are going to come, check out the Bailey Up Fantasy uh, booth there at the expo. Perfect. And we'll put links to that in the show notes. Um, we talked about Bob Long on your show and we talked about, okay, now you're on, you've reached your pinnacle of fantasy football origin stories. What about, I don't know, a time when you had somebody as a guest or you went on another show, you're like, wow, this is kind of cool. You know, I, I actually, I'm not maybe quotes made it, but wow, I'm actually doing this thing for more than just a hobby in the basement. Sure. Um, so the very first, I would say, big name guest I had on was Eden Harditz, actually. Um, and that was being that, first of all, he got back to me on social media. I thought that was big. <laughs> he actually responded because, you know, he's a busy guy. And then when he came on and he gave me a full hour and said that he really enjoyed the conversation and that we were going back and forth and had a really good time. We were having conversations that he didn't necessarily have with everybody else. And Pretty much that was where I knew that I was on to something, that I was, my approach was worth credibility to people who do it for a living. Um, and then everything kind of snow piled up from there because then I started having guys like Joe Pisa P on and I had, I've pretty much had everybody from Sirius XM on. I'm going to have a show coming out soon with uh, Bob Harris on. That's going to be, I mean, that's going to be way up there for me as far as guests go. Um, so that that was really the big thing was when I started getting the attention of these guys who do it for a living and were enjoying the content and enjoying the shows that I was bringing them on to. And, and genuinely speaking, too, because we do the hour-long show, they wound up hanging out for about a half hour to an extra hour after that of us just talking afterwards and not even on the show. And, and that that's when I really kind of felt like, all right, I'm on to something. And then last year was the first year I was at the Expo uh, and just felt like I belonged. 
Like I just had that overall feeling like I'm on the same track. I am not, I'm not, you know, talking out my butt, so to speak. I'm, I'm actually on to something here. I actually belong with some of these other guys uh, as far as your overall approach and as far as your overall research and everything like that. So that was a really good feeling. Yeah, it's totally different world when you get to that level of, I don't want to say made it, but like that, like that's what it is. Like you feel like you're, I'm now I'm communicating versus just kind of being that guy walking around with my head in the clouds type of deal. This is a totally off topic. I don't know why this came up, but anybody ever tell you, you look like that dude, Tom from the blacklist? No, uh, I don't think I've ever look, seen the look blacklist. It up some, so I can't even picture Look it up sometime. His, his name is Ryan Eagold, it looks like right here. But yeah, for some reason, that's a, you, I thought that's who I was talking to. I can almost get away with it, I think, as a doppelganger. So now let's remind the listener of the show. <laughs> where can they go um, to find, if they just want to connect with you or find your work? Yeah, sure. Uh, again, you always look up the MD Fantasy Football Show on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show on Twitter or X, whatever you feel like calling it, and uh, on uh, MDFF Show, Facebook, Instagram, Threads. I don't know. TikTok. I was trying to think of all the ones that are out there. Uh, and with me personally, I'm at Dan Mater FF uh, on social media platforms as well. So you could check us all out there and I, it's, hit me up. Uh, I tell people all the time, you know, they ask me for fantasy advice. They're like, oh, do I need to pay you? Do we need to do this? No, no, no. I do it completely free. I want to help you win championships. So I'm, I'm, if you have a question, I have time to answer it. I'm going to answer it and I'll get back to you because I, I want to help you guys win. So speaking of helping someone win and looking to the future, we're going to do that before we get out of here. We're going to go with hopping that DeLorean again, but we're going to go back to the future two style. You get to go. I mean, we could call it 30 years if you want. That's really far, but like five to 10, whatever years you want. And you get to predict either what's going to change in fantasy football or maybe something not monetarily withstanding because it doesn't, you know, might cost more what you would like to see happen in the fantasy football industry in the next five to 10 years, we'll call it. So what's going to happen in fantasy football in five to 10 years? I think the big thing from a content creator standpoint is that I think people are going to, and this might even happen sooner than five to 10 years, I think people are going to start having to make that adjustment to making fantasy football and sports betting uh, symbiotic, I think is the word I'm trying to look for, where you're going to need to do both, or you're going to need to offer both, or have it, you know, have, have a way for people who are interested in those things, because it's going to be, as it becomes more legalized throughout the country, and I think more than half the states now are legalized for online betting when it comes to DraftKings and, and FanDuel and everything like that. And it will eventually, I think, get out to 50 states. I think this is a train that's not going to be stopped. It, it's a situation where player props in particular are so in sync with fantasy football predictions and everything that I think you're going to have to start offering both because I think people who play fantasy football are going to naturally gravitate towards doing player props and then probably getting a little bit more in-depth betting from there. So I think in the future, I think fantasy football creators are going to have to also become sports betting experts to some degree. Okay, so now that you've piqued the interest of the person that's like, I was trying to figure out how I'm going to get into this thing. As we leave, give the listener of the show last words of wisdom, we'll call it, for, hey, I want to dip my toes in the water. I just, what should I do to get started kind of thing into this fantasy football world? The first thing you would want to do is first of all, establish what kind of content you want to create. Do you want to write or do you want to make videos and everything like that? And if you want to make videos, I would say start off by making one-minute clips, uh, YouTube shorts, TikToks, build up from there because if you can research one topic uh, and have a lot of good nuggets for people to go off of, first of all, that'll generate clicks. 
And if you're getting if you're getting an audience at a high rate early on, it's going to motivate you even more so when you're making more content. And then from there, you learn how to build out, okay, I have made all this content on one player. Now I can make content on this player. Now all of a sudden, I have a segment I can put together. Now all of a sudden, I have an entire show outline I can put together. And this, it works the same way with writing too. You start with one guy, you do your research, and all of a sudden, you can build it out from there. Now you have an article to put out there. But if you have really good nuggets that not everyone's posting out on social media about a particular player or a particular team, and you can put it into one-minute clips, you're going to get views. And that views, I think, motivates people when they're getting that early on. And they don't get distraught because they're like, oh, I'm doing all this work. I'm putting all this content. I'm getting like five views. That, that's what's going to happen when you do an hour-long show when no one knows your name. That, that will happen. So I, that would be my advice to people is do something like that so that way you stay motivated throughout. There you go. If you want to get into this whole fantasy football space, start small, niche down, then niche down again, and finally, niche down after that. But make sure it's something that you care about. And speaking of niching down, or niching down, depending on what part of the world you're from, I guess, I don't know. I hope this show is right in your world. I hope this show is actually right in your wheelhouse. And learning about the backstories of people in the fantasy football industry is something that, you know, you find entertaining. I mean, if you do, and you like what you heard so far, I ask you just one thing. Please tell at least one friend about this show that's never heard of it before. Other than that, dude, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fantasy Football Origin Stories. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, please make sure to mash that little subscribe or follow button on your podcast player of choice, then head over to the website for the show notes and more Fantasy Football Origin Stories. That's at fantasyfootballoriginstories.com. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs>